Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast. Core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. I'm Anand Swami Nathan. And I'm Jenny Beck-Esme. We're back this week, Jenny, with some pearls from our morning report. I know you missed this. I know you missed this morning conference. It is my favorite thing at Bellevue. I do miss it. Morning report is a gem. Just as a reminder to the listeners, Morning Report is a long-standing Bellevue tradition where a senior resident leads a discussion based on a case they've seen. The feature that makes this conference a bit different, perhaps even unique, is that there are routinely a handful of senior faculty members, many of whom are full professors in emergency medicine, who show up and give their opinions on the case and the management and help to drive the learning forward. It's a fantastic opportunity to hear how some of the giants in emergency medicine would take care of cases and to see their differing opinions and thoughts. Each of these cases has multiple learning points, but often there's only a couple of truly critical ones, pearls that can become easily lost since only a small number of learners are present to hear them. The goal of this podcast series is to keep track of some of these pearls and disperse them throughout the EM community so that we can all learn from some of these amazing clinicians. Jenny, let's dive in. The first set of pearls comes from senior resident Brian Lynn. He presented a case of an end-stage renal disease patient who came in with back pain. Now, back pain is always a tricky one in the emergency department because the vast majority of cases are benign, but the minority of dangerous cases are really, really dangerous, and the presentations can often be quite subtle. We often talk about back pain red flags and ensuring the absence of them since their absence lowers the chance of a dangerous cause. That red flag list includes age, either young or old, trauma, fever, immunocompromise, IV drug abuse, weakness, change in sensation around the perirectal area or saddle anesthesia, any changes in bowel or bladder function, and that means either retention or loss of continence, and a history of cancer. In this case, the patient had a red flag of being immunocompromised from their end-stage renal disease and their dialysis dependence. Now, we often think of immunocompromised as patients with HIV and AIDS, but we also have to keep in mind that chronic steroid use or other immunosuppressant medication use, poorly controlled diabetes, and patients with end-stage renal who have a chronic venous axis for dialysis, those patients are all immunocompromised as well. So we have to put that red flag up for these patients for back pain as well. This patient presented with back pain and malaise and some tactile fevers and was found to have vertebral osteomyelitis. Patients with back pain and red flags need to have a strong consideration for advanced imaging. The best imaging modality here to find spinal cord pathologies, including epidural abscesses, discitis, and osteomyelitis, is an MRI. A couple of other key points that Brian pointed out is that labs are really not going to help you make this diagnosis and definitely won't help you rule it out. So while we would love to have a blood test we could do that said we don't have to get an MRI, it's just not going to work for us. A white blood cell count can be elevated, normal, or depressed, and ESR, CRP are both nonspecific and insensitive. Our second case was from another one of our senior residents, Mark Mickley. Mark discussed a case of a patient who presented with fever and groin pain. Physical examination revealed a middle-aged man who was unwell-appearing and had redness and tenderness to the scrotal and perineal area. Ultimately, the patient was found to have Fournier's gangrene and was taken to the OR. A Fournier's gangrene is a polymicrobial necrotizing fasciitis of the perineal, perianal, and or genital area. It's more common in men and in patients with diabetes, alcohol abuse, and renal failure. The hallmark features are rapidly spreading erythema and skin changes, the presence of blisters or bullae, pain and or tachycardia that's out of proportion to the physical exam, and crepitus. So just keep in mind that this is neck fash of the perineal genital area. 
If the patient presents early enough, these often appear as simple cellulitis, but there's going to be rapid progression. This may even happen in front of you. So you see the patient, you evaluate them, you start doing some orders, you go back and you see a spread of that cellulitis in a couple of minutes to even an hour. It's vital to catch these diagnoses early as the associated mortality is around 40%. The things Mark wanted to key in on is to resuscitate these patients aggressively, give them broad spectrum antibiotics, and get your surgical consult to the bedside early. That last point is really critical. What we want is an experienced surgeon at the bedside rapidly, really someone who's seen this disease process and understands the management. These patients need to get to the OR for debridement rapidly as delays increase mortality. So don't delay surgical consultation for imaging. Sure, there are cases where the diagnosis isn't clear and you might find it on imaging, but when you've got the hallmark signs, get your surgeon down immediately. You can order the imaging study, but get them down to see the patient before that even happens. As far as antibiotics, you want to give them vancomycin for the gram positives, a broad spectrum beta-lactam like piptazo or cefepime or mirapenem, and then add clindamycin both for expanded anaerobe coverage as well as the added benefit of toxin binding. Our final case was from Stephen McDonald. He covered one of our most frequent patient presentations and a a very high-risk population, and these are the intoxicated patients. Stephen focused on occult trauma in this presentation, and there are some many occult pathologies to consider in the intoxicated patient. I was always taught that chronic alcoholics were created to humble emergency physicians. Anytime you say, that guy's just drunk, you'll be sure to anger the EM gods and the patient will have a pneumonia or a head bleed or a broken femur or sepsis or a stroke. The list goes on and on. Don't fall into that trap of saying, that guy's just drunk. That is not the right thinking we need to have. Do a full clinical assessment on every patient who's billed as an alcohol intoxication test appropriately, and do frequent re-examinations. Stephen focused specifically on assessing the need for a non-contrast head CT. If the patient is a chronic alcoholic and has signs of head trauma, it's probably safest to just get that CT. The radiation risk is pretty minimal in comparison to missing that subdural. In the absence of overt signs of trauma, assess the patients as best you can for any neurologic deficits. See if the patient can move all four of their extremities. Check their pupils and their extraocular movements. Again, if you're not sure, it's probably safest to get the scan. But if they're moving everything and their pupils are equal and there's no signs of trauma, a wait and reassess approach is reasonable. Remember that with alcohol intoxication, the patient should get better with time unless they're still drinking in the ED. And I know this happens and it happens maybe a little bit too frequently, but hopefully we can get the alcohol away from them and they should be getting better as we reassess them. Reassess the patient every hour. If they're improving, continue reassessing until the patient is clinically sober. If at any point the patient's exam worsens or they're not improving, consider getting imaging and doing a more extensive assessment. Yeah, I just had this conversation with one of my residents on a shift a few days ago because this happens all the time. And his question was, do I need to get a scan on every intoxicated patient who comes in with head trauma? And the kind, the point I really made to him was, if you can, you, personally you, not somebody else, not a nurse, not a tech, can guarantee that you can reassess that patient with the frequency that you need to find any decrease in their mental status, then maybe you can avoid it. But if there's any signs of head trauma and you don't think that you can be at their bedside every hour, you probably should just get the scan. Absolutely. It totally makes sense. And sometimes we back up the department getting these scans. The patient waits all night. They never get their scan done, but they wake up. They're appropriate. 
you can discharge them without the scan. That's okay. But in the patients where you have a higher risk, especially the chronic drinkers with new head trauma, get them that scan quick because they're going to be hiding something in there. Their brains are smaller because they've had atrophy. They can bleed for a while before you get real clinical signs. So just get that OnCon head CT. It seems like the best approach. If someone has a better one, I'd love to hear it, but I'm pretty liberal about getting these scans. And Jenny, you know me, I'm not really liberal about getting scans in anyone, but this group, this particular group, they're such a high risk population. We can't neglect them. Just get the scan done. Yep. Jenny, any take home points that you have from these three cases? Yep, I've got one for each case. So first, make sure to stay broad when you think about what qualifies as immunocompromised. It's more than just HIV AIDS patients. It's gonna include your patients that are on chronic steroids or other immunosuppressants who have poorly controlled diabetes and your patients who have end-stage renal disease who are on dialysis. Second, Fournier's gangrene is neck fash of the perineum perianal and or genital area. This is a true surgical emergency, so start broad spectrum antibiotics and get your surgeon rapidly to the bedside. And then last, if a patient is a chronic alcoholic and has any signs of head trauma, it's probably just safest to get the head CT. That's all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, Falls on Google Plus, and on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks, and see you all next week. <laughs>